The views and opinions expressed by the host of Black Talk Radio News and any guest represents their views and their views only and do not necessarily represent the views of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Welcome to another Black Talk Radio News commentary. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. Yes, I'm right here in the belly of the beast. I'm not in the deep south, but I'm close enough. So this is a follow-up to the last podcast that I did literally just hours ago. And, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. Yeah, well, let me restate that. There's coincidences, and then there's providence. So I just got through doing a presentation podcast about uh, Mansa Musa, the king of Mali, and who was an imperialist slave trader, to use the words of an African scholar, um, African-American scholar, although he identifies as Balantin right now. Now, again, I hope to get this brother on uh, podcast, you know, uh, he was also part of the Black Liberation Movement here in the United States and worked with um, some Black Panther chapters. And so there is an old saying that all skin folk ain't kin folk. So when I study history, I try to study all of it. Yes, I'm particularly drawn to the history of of black nations or wherever black people are. I'm particularly drawn to that history, but I try to study world history, period. Because again, if you don't know the past, it's likely that you're doomed to repeat it. And we keep repeating the past in terms of all skin folk and kin folk. But let me just say this to my brothers and sisters in Africa, because I'm getting ready to do a story about or do a commentary on this story I came across tonight. Again, I don't believe in, and I do believe in coincidences, but I also believe in providence. And I just don't think it's a coincidence that one of my friends on social media will share an article from 2018 that speaks to the very topic of what I just got through uh, speaking on in the previous podcast. Again, all skin folk ain't can folk. And I don't care if a racist suspect, a neo-confederate, tries to use a disingenuous argument against reparations or the treatment, the continued mistreatment of African Americans by using, you know, examples of, hey, Africans sold Africans into slavery. Yes, that's true. That don't absolve you of your sin, you, you know? So, please. Spare playing the white card. Don't don't play the white card with me. And I'm not just talking about white people. I'm talking about black people who try to dismiss any kind of analysis and research and commentary when it concerns the truth. Okay, like I said in the last podcast, there are some African nations that owe reparations to the descendants and uh, of the victims of the transatlantic slave trade. And so this story is coming to you from Ghana. And by the way, Ghana does offer a form of a form of reparations to African Americans. And I imagine it is extended, I don't know for sure, to those who ended up in the Caribbean islands. You know, they got off a stop earlier than the other victims that ended up here in the United States. And of course, 
most of the victims ended up in South America, particularly Brazil. So here is a story that I want to share that was shared with me by a Facebook friend. The Ghanaian prince en route to study in England, but deceivingly sold into slavery in 1748. And the source of this article, which was published June 21st, 2018, was from an African source or a black source, a black website, face2faceafrica.com published this article. And it this article uh, was written by a contributor by the name of Faridi Dawkins, a, a black woman. Okay, so there is some some study going on of the true history and people not trying to blackwash it, meaning hide that history that portrays Africans in a negative light and only share the good stuff. No, no, no. Human beings are capable of evil and good, and it has nothing to do with your melanin content. So, again, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. Don't get in your emotions. Don't get mad at me because I'm sharing relevant history because this is how the Black Panther Party, as I mentioned um, earlier, got destroyed from within. We had COINTELPRO, the FBI legal program to to um, prevent the rise of a black messiah that may unify black people. But again, I am under no illusion that any such thing is possible because you got people, they're called sellouts. I'm not calling them sellouts, trying to become more codified, quit calling people names, but they're known as sellout, where they sell out the group interests for their own personal interests. We see current modern examples of that today. So you look at this man's um, painting, I guess we would call it a painting, this Ghanaian prince who was deceivingly sold into slavery in 1748. And you might feel sorry for him. Cause, oh, that's a black man. Look at this black man. That poor black man got sold into slavery. But you know what? Sometimes karma is a menstruating bitch. And I don't mean that to reference females, but what bitch actually means is a female dog. This is a pit bull, a female pit bull menstruating. Okay? That's what karma is in this case. So, let's read from this article, if you will, because this stuff is really hidden from most black people. And most black people, they come across this information they immediately reject it because it doesn't play into the propaganda aims that they want to play into. I'm all about justice. And before I end this podcast, I'm going to play that Neely Fuller clip again. If you did not hear it on the last podcast. So we had this Ghanaian prince back in the 1700s by the name of William Ansar Cesaraku. Cesaraku. He was the son of John Corrente, the head chief of Anamobo in the central region of Ghana. Corrente originally named Eno Bas, I think that's base, Corrente sent Seracu 
to England in an attempt for him to gain quality education and to build a partnership with the English to gain accurate information about the happenings in, in Europe. So he was sending a spy, sending one of his sons as a spy in Europe. Good tactic. Anyway, Cesaraku was sent aboard a ship and entrusted to the captain for transport. Instead, the ship's captain sold Cesaruku into slavery in Barbados. That's in the Caribbean islands, right? Cesaraku was born in 1736 in Anamabo Gold Course, formerly the largest slave trading post during the transatlantic slave trade. Again, Europeans weren't running these posts, okay? Not with, they, they couldn't set up without the permission of whatever king or ruling class was in power at the time. The Europeans just didn't run up in there kidnapping people like I said. If you think that, then you actually think Africa was weak, okay, at that time. These were great empires in terms in terms of their military power, in terms of their wealth. This is before colonialism, but this is also how they got their foot in the door, meaning the European, European and Arab colonizers of Africa, because they were invited in. So anyway, let's go ahead and scroll down. Anamobu, modern day. Anamabu was an attractive prospect for European merchants due to easily accessibility to slaves and trading goods. The Dutch, Portuguese, Danish, Swedish, French, and English were all vying for the opportunity to utilize the precious resources available in Anamabu. Let's keep rolling. Look at him. He, he, he's already assimilated, looking to assimilate, you know all dressed up like a European and, and what have you. So anyway, Corinthe sent Cesaracu's brother to France in the early part of the 1740s. His son returned with an extensive education and awareness of France. The English, threatened by the growing relationship between France and Corinthe, offered to host Cesaracu in England. Corinthe naively thought sending Cesaracu to England with the captain of a slave ship would secure his son's future. So again, don't sit up there and tell me that the ruling class of Africans, the quote unquote royalty, because this was a prince, didn't know what was happening. Okay, I've only read one account of a Nigerian businesswoman who was selling people into slavery, but when she found out the horrors of what what these people were facing in South America and the North in North America and the Caribbean, she became an abolitionist. I guess she caught a conscience and she became an abolitionist. It was a Nigerian businesswoman. I don't recall her name right now, but I do remember her story because I used to profile abolitionists on New Abolitionist Radio as one of the co-hosts and producers. All right, so don't don't tell me, oh, they didn't know. Yes, some of these people knew. I would say most of them knew, all right, what these people were facing. I mean, they had them chained up on the coast in these slave castles and what have you. So Captain David Bruce Crichton, 
told Cesar Roku sold him into slavery in Bridgetown, the Bahamas in 1748. He was introduced as Prince William Ansar Cesar Raku or the Royal African. Naturally, Cesar Raku fell out of contact with his family and the Fante people in his native land. Corrente was distressed and blamed the British for the capture of his son. Britain's business prospects greatly suffered Great, uh, greatly suffered greatly because of the strained relationship between Corrente and the British. So again, you know, just like my reading of the Kingdom of the Homie, they were selling, they were trading slaves for European produced goods, things that they didn't have access to, had never seen before, and so they were trading human beings for goods, a trade. All right. So anyway, a Fante businessman recognized Cesar Raku while in Barbados. The uh, Fante merchant related information to Corrente, who then demanded that Cesar Raku be sent to England at once. So meanwhile, in England, Cesar Raku was under the protection of George Montecu Duke. Second Earl of Halifax, this afforded him advantage status even as a former slave. So I'm, I'm going to just scroll down quickly. I want to see if this dude became an abolitionist or if his family stopped becoming, uh, uh, stopped their role in the slave trade. So in 1750, Cesar Raku returned to Anamabu, well-dressed and extremely knowledgeable of English culture. He became a writer at the Cape Coast Castle and ironically a slave trader. So unlike the Nigerian businesswoman who was selling people into slavery, this guy had that experience. She didn't even experience it. She just heard about it or found about it, about it some kind of way. This dude experienced it and he come back and he continued you know, enslaving people. So, excuse me for not having any kind of, uh, feeling any kind of kinship or affinity for African royals. Again, none of these people are alive today. Ghana is paying reparations. I think it's in the form of citizenship. You might be able to get some land. It's been a, a while since I read an article about that. But again, all can folk, all skin folk ain't can folk. Melanin does not dictate morality. It just simply does not. And again, we're not learning from the past. It's why we find ourselves plagued by people looking to improve their own condition at the expense of others to, to as I used to say, uh, get a pile of butter biscuits on a plate at the expense of other black people. So again, you are in a form of mental slavery if you simply think that just because a person was an African king or African royalty, that that's a source of pride for you. No, not if you are in South America in the Caribbean or the United States as the descendants of these people's victims. Okay? This does not absolve any of the evil done 
by the U.S. government or the or, or the English crown or the French or the Portuguese, any of those uh, slavers and colonizers, they owe reparations. But I would present to you is some other African nations beside Ghana that owes reparations to the descendants of victims of slavery. All right. This has been Scotty Reed. Oh, I've almost forgot again in case you missed it. Mr. Fuller talked about what I just said a long time ago. Melanin does not equate morality. And if you have pride in black people simply because they're black and not because of the content of their character, then something wrong with you when you need to re-examine your, your um, beliefs. So here we go. No, it really isn't. Because, see, people are thinking in terms of, well, they want to brag about being black, which means that they are implying that there's something incorrect about being white, even though these are the creations of the creator. See, and then so everybody gets into this black pride thing or white pride thing, and people immediately start taking sides. It's not about taking sides based on black and white. It's about taking sides based on justice and non-justice. Well, that's what you're really aiming for. Being black doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice. And being white doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice, except you mean in, you believe in non-justice. And that doesn't make any difference what shade you are or how tall you are or who your cousin was or anything like that or what so-called nationality you have, like a lot of people say that they take pride in being an Englishman, or take pride in being a Frenchman, or take pride in being Afrocentric. Well, you're not supposed to be proud of any of those things if you don't believe in justice. Because these words mean nothing. No nationality means anything. And, and waving a flag if you don't believe in not mistreating people. You've got to believe in not mistreating people and you got to believe in helping people that need help the most. Otherwise, you don't even have any business breathing. So what would our equivalent today be to this African royalty of old that was victimizing other black people? Because again, back then, some of these people, especially in Africa, didn't even have a concept of race. They were identifying based on their tribal affiliation. So again, you know, you can't apply Western thought to outside of the West. Okay, you just it just simply does not work. It is just simply not logical. So again, you cannot call yourself a modern day abolitionist because remember, slavery was never abolished and it hasn't been abolished in Africa either. As I was telling somebody else in Uganda, they got private prison slavers from the UK. Something we discussed on New Abolitionist Radio over the years. And so slavery's never been abolished here in the United States. So we need people to become new abolitionists. But you can't say that you're abolitionists and you're making excuses for slavers based on skin color. With that said, this has been Scotty Reed with a Black Talk Radio News Commentary. Please continue to support the production of independent, thought-provoking black media. Make a donation to the tax-deductible 
of tax-deductible donation to the Black Talk Media Project. You can go to blacktalkradionetwork.com or look in the description for a link. All right, peace and blessings to all. Y'all stay safe. Black Talk Radio, since 2008, providing new black media for the masses.